1: Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and all the other people listening, as long as you're people listening, I don't mind, uh, to the DOGS program. We are the Defenders of Government Schools. Um, We have to defend government schools because they're under constant attack, and 3CR is about the only place left in Australia where you get a platform for a community organisation like ours that is devoted to defending government schools and also, um, on a separate note, Um, discussing issues of the separation of religion from the state here in the great nation of Australia. Now today we've got myself Rob and Jean and Dale in the studio and we're going to go through a a number of relevant issues that are happening not just in Australia but around the world. Um, Jean, of course, will deliver her much anticipated press release. Jean, what press release number is it now? Because there's been a few over the years, hasn't there?
2: 756. Seven. Yeah,
1: 756 press release from the Defence of Government Schools. We release them on a weekly basis, so you can count back the weeks and work out how many decades we've been on air. Um, yes, we had the press release, which relates to, of course, the strange fight that's going on between the Catholics and the non-Catholics when it comes to education. Isn't it ridiculous that I even have to say those words when it comes to a country like Australia, which is supposed to be a secular nation? Um, yeah, har- harumph is harumph. I, I hear you okay. say at the other end of your radio, Australia is a secular nation. You've, you've got to be dreaming. Yeah, so I have to come out with things like um, there's a fight going on between the Catholic education sector and the independent school education sector at the moment because they're not they're, they're not fighting over religion. They're not fighting over God. They're fighting over your money. They're fighting over taxpayers' money and Jean will be highlighting that. We'll be finishing off our, our long-running, um, and very fascinating article of what's, what's going on with education in America under the Trump regime. Um, and of course we'll be talking about our great state school towards the end of the program. But you are, and hopefully will continue to be, listening to the Dogs program here on 3CR 855 on the AM dial and podcast on the WWWs.
2: Vote for your mic. Want to support 3CR's diverse and independent voices? Well, it's not too late, and we still need your support. Donate now by calling 9419 8377 or donate online at www.3cr.org.au or post us a cheque or money order to Post Office Box 1277, Collingwood, 3066. Right for your money. Yes, before I deliver press release 786, I'd like to read an obituary. Um, it's always a sad thing to say goodbye to somebody, but I think it's very important to remember them and to um, tell people that they were important people, uh, that we were very, very fortunate to know them. And I'd like to tell you about Alan Lindsay Heath, who was born on the 28th of October 1926 and died on the 29th of June, a couple of weeks ago. Now, he was born in Bendigo and attended the Eagle Hawk Primary Public School in Bendigo. And he has four daughters, one of whom rang me to tell me of his passing. He has 11 grandchildren, six great-grandchildren, and he was very, very proud of them, and they all go to public schools. He had retired at the age of 65 after working as an instrument maker in the Department of Pharmacology at the University of Melbourne. But throughout his life, he'd had many interests and he was actually involved in a lot of pursuits. I got to know him because he was up in the Eltham area with a very interesting group of Labor Party politicians, including Bill Hartley and Alan Cox. But He was more interested in ideas and in issues than he was sometimes in the Labor Party. And looking at the Labor Party today, that is not surprising. But um, he was certainly interested in public schools. And I became aware of him when he started ringing me up and telling me off if I wasn't doing a good job on the 3CR program. Now, he had every right to tell people off if they weren't doing a good job on a radio program because he was a radio expert. He was a ham radio operator with the handle VK3KZ and he also organised the hall for the Eltham Girl Guides that was transported from Melbourne University and Alan was an intensely passionate man whose very quite brilliant mind worked overtime and he undertook to solve all the problems of the world be it a broken clock, the explanation of gravity or opening the public schools and making a good education available to every child in Australia. He actually invented a zone view global clock, one of which is hanging in the Greenwich Museum. He had very strong views on how society should be structured and he regularly wrote to politicians in his own campaign for his ideals, including um, public education. And his love for Australia and its heritage was very deep and he worked hard to maintain recognition of our history. He was a tireless advocate for the preservation of our current Australian flag. He was a nationalist and he was a staunch monarchist as well who understood the intrinsic value of Australia having a constitutional monarchy. He supported our Defence of Government Schools movement and he actively contributed to our radio program. He was a great conversationalist. He was never lost for words. He had an opinion on almost everything, whether it was religious, political or otherwise. He had lots and lots of theories about things and one of his favourite sayings was, just remember, you are just another grain of sand on the beach. He had a very, very strong will. I can, I can attest to that because I was at the receiving end of it once a week. And his admirable commitment to his ideas will be remembered, not by us, but by all those other people whose causes he espoused. And um, Lynette Alexander has provided us with this um, information. I knew some of it, but not all of it. I didn't know about his clock in the Greenwich Museum. Uh, he had a meticulous mind. Everything had to be in place the way it is in a clock. He wanted the world perhaps... To work like clockwork But as we all know The world is a very messy place I have my own story We had another member Who reached the age of 94 uh, Jack uh, Jack actually was the stepfather Of the Bishop of um, I think it's uh, Somewhere up in the country anyway uh, But he, he, he Blotted his copybook With his His um stepdaughter, uh, when he, he uh, went to a dinner party with Mr. Hollingworth, who was at that time with the um, Brotherhood of St. Lawrence. But Jack had been very friendly with an artist called Douglas, who used to paint up Eltham Way. And Jack gave me one of Douglas's paintings, it's a very beautiful painting, with a pond, and bush, surrounded by eucalypts and bush. And when I went to visit Alan Heath, I looked at his backyard and suddenly realised that I was looking at the Douglas painting. So they were a very interesting group up there at Eltham, particularly during the 1970s and 1980s. There was a lot of ideas around, and we really do need a lot of ideas still in this country. And that, of course, is what the dogs have also been about. We are firm believers in the public school system being open to all children. We are therefore against taxpayers' money going to so-called independent schools which aren't independent at all. Uh, we, get a, we get very, very annoyed really at um, double talk and we, we are prepared to say it as it is. And for that reason we're also very much in favour of separation of religion from the state. Now to our press release, 756. The Catholic sector is never satisfied. The only answer to the state aid problem is to stop state aid to private schools. The last few weeks have seen the Catholic education sector flexing its muscles again and threatening any politician who refuses to give the religious lobbyists exactly what they want. Senator Birmingham sits on top of an Orgean stables of bottom of the schoolyard schemes involving billions of dollars of public, that's our, money. He, as Minister, is ultimately accountable. And to give him credit, he's tried to do something about it. The Gonski needs rhetoric led to assess... Um, has led to an assessment of the social economic status of children attending Catholic and other private schools dependent upon this public funding. And currently, a school socioeconomic status, the SES that Robert constantly talks about, that score is calculated by the income, education and occupation characteristics of the areas where students actually live. The school resourcing board, which Mr Birmingham has set up, has been delving into the Aegean stables and realised that the so-called needs policy is a greeds policy. The higher the scores determined by the school's resourcing board, the, the less government funding schools receive. And they'd been looking at the special deals of the Catholic education sector and um, the numbers weren't adding up. Now, this did not suit the Catholic sector since there had been these special deals going back to the Howard and Gillard years which provided their schools with extra funds. But it did suit the so-called independent sector which had not been gaming the system as successfully. That didn't mean to say they weren't gaming the system but they weren't as successful at gaming it as the Catholic administrators. So, the government under threat of the Catholic vote promised yet another review of funding processes. When you're in problems, what do you do? You set up a committee. You set up a review. You set up an inquiry. And this is known as the Cheney Review. On the 11th of June, 2018, the news came through, well, really, it was a rumour, that the Catholic schools had had a win, but the independent schools had had a loss. The National School Resourcing Board was going to recommend using powerful data-matching tools to link parents' tax returns with their children's school enrolment. Well, of course, those of us who know that how wealthy parents game the system thought this was was a bit of a joke too. But a fault line opened between the infamous Catholic-Protestant Alliance. In a statement issued on the 21st of June 2018, The Independent School Council of Australia, that's ISCA, stressed that the review of schools, SES, was yet to be finalised despite significant media speculation. They said that ISCA cautions that it's important to remember that any alternative methodology would require significant work to determine whether it would produce accurate and valid information at the individual school level. They also said that the current funding methodology took three years to model, trial and validate prior to its introduction and the independent sector would accept nothing less than the same rigorous process prior to any move away from the current arrangements because the non-Catholic sector were doing better than the Catholic sector under the proper SES arrangements. Speaking to Sky News yesterday, Birmingham, that would have been uh, the on June the twentieth. Birmingham said that he would not prejudge the report until he received the final copy, but said that the federal government would stick to its principles of treating all school systems and sectors fairly. Well, I wish he'd tell that to the public sector. He got quite moralistic. We don't discriminate across state borders. We don't discriminate between different parts of the non-government schooling sector. And we adopt a principled approach to ensure that it is needs-based funding, as the Gonski panel recommended, he said. Well, you might remember, listeners, back in the day, the Gonski panel did want to do something about needs, but they were told that no school should lose a dollar. So all that happened was that the gaming of the system continued and the private schools were, both of them, both sectors were rewarded for uh, the way they gamed it. Uh, That's what we acted on last year, he said. Well, Australia's private schools sent a stark warning to the federal government that funding cuts to any system would have disastrous consequences. We've heard this before. And they even threatened the fact that perhaps their children might go to government schools or public schools. Well, they are. They are, and the public schools are very happy to have them. Uh, Michelle Green the Independent Schools uh, Victoria chief executive said that if implemented a funding windfall to Catholic schools at the expense of the private sector would be an extraordinary turn of events. On 6th of July, the federal government announced the findings of this long-awaited review, the Cheney Review. The rumours were over. And what did it say? It appears to be much influenced by Mr. Elder from the Catholic Education Office Victoria. Remember the guy who used our money to robocall in the Northcote area when that was up for election. Now the findings of the review into the socio-economic status SES method found that the current funding system for non-government schools is flawed, as Mr. Elder said. And it requires a new system to be put in place. And the SES system is criticised, and this sounds just like Mr Elder, for creating too many issues that hinder a proper assessment of student needs of the non-government school system. Notice none of this is relevant to the public system. It's only relevant to a spat within the private sector. And as a step towards resolving some of the issues, the board recommended an annual residential address collection and data matching with income tax data to create a rolling average for a more stable measurement. How interesting. Now the report makes it clear that this direct measure of parental income can now be used without breaching privacy or requiring the collection of tax file numbers by a school. I don't know how they manage that but that's very interesting too. But The Independent Schools Council of Victoria said that it strongly supports the board's decision not to use fees as a measure of capacity to contribute because, remember, a lot of the parents of their children are very, very wealthy because, or they'd have to be, because their fees are so high. But, um, no doubt, the parents also can afford good tax accountants. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the real question is, with these tax returns... Will they go behind the tax returns to see what the net and the gross income of the parents are? There's a lot of questions attached to that. Now, this spat between Mr Birmingham and the private sector is all very infotaining for readers of the Australian newspapers because this is where you find out about it. You don't find out so much about it, and certainly not from the private school sector, from the Fairfax media. That's what's really interesting about it. But the real question, for those of us who are not supporters of private schools and don't want our tax returns to be looked at as parents, um, the real question is, how much is it going to cost us? How much is all this going to cost the taxpayer? Will this ongoing mess-up, because it is a mess-up, just continue the ongoing privatisation disasters of the neoliberals as they scamper after ever more disillusioned voters? Now once again we're told by the Australian that M- Malcolm Turnbull faces a showdown with the nation's Catholic leadership over his government bungled education funding policy that could cost the taxpayers between 2.5 and 3 billion to fix. Just think what you could do with that sort of money in our public system. And the Prime Minister, to quieten everything down, went off to meet the church's national leadership to discuss the coalition's targeting of the faithful and attempting to repair the political damage ahead of the federal election. And Mr Turnbull's office has confirmed that at this meeting there was Education Minister Simon Birmingham and they were going to analyse the Cheney Review and as well as that they were going to have at this meeting Archbishop Mark Coleridge and Archbishop Anthony Fisher. And they're going to also discuss, along with the education money, the four billion child abuse redress scheme scheme and probably the government's position on the seal of the confessional. How interesting that all of these things are now going together. You have a downturn in the enrolment of private schools, an upturn in the enrolment in public schools. You have the um, Catholic education sector refusing to accept that perhaps there should be some accountability for the way they deal with the needs policy because there aren't too many advantaged, disadvantaged or um, Indigenous children in their sector. And then you have a spat with the... Uh, Protestant sector, let's call them that, although I'm not sure that they're Protestant anymore, certainly the private religious sector. And now you have um, Turnbull running to the heads of the Catholic Church itself. Very interesting. And the church sources said the Defence Minister, Christopher Pine's decision to slam the church's liars over school funding continued to incense the senior figures as well as Senator Birmingham's hands decision to disadvantage its schools through the non-government school funding system. Well perhaps they don't like the truth. Uh it's understood that the Archdiocese Diocese of Brisbane has recently discovered a budget hole of at least 40 million for its schools and that the Labor leader Bill Shorten's preparing to campaign on funding in Queensland. So don't think for one moment that the dogs are promoting Mr Shorten in this matter. So this is all very interesting. Mr Pine, however, said last year of his constituents, not one of them has complained about all this, so I'm not sure how significant an issue it is outside the pages of the Australian newspaper. We aren't getting any heat in my election office about it at all and I think that's because the Catholic education system really is running a very dishonest campaign. So uh, let's stay tuned. There's nothing new about any of this to the dogs. Meanwhile, we've discovered from the Australian Education Union that Turnbull's secret education reform plans for public schools involves a decision to cut $1.9 from public schools. And these decisions are being taken without any consultation with teachers. It seems that the only consultations being held by Mr Turnbull and his running scared MPs in swinging seats are Stephen Elder, Archbishop Coleridge and Archbishop Fisher. Dogs have been here many, many times before. Mr Turnbull might be about to discover that Mr Birmingham and Christopher Pine have their finger on the pulse of the Australian electorate and Turnbull, Abbott and company are in danger of following the Catholic vote down the pathways of deception, not only to perdition, but to irrelevance and political oblivion. The only way forward for Australian education is back to first principles, All our children, regardless of their parents' taxation certificates and or minimisation schemes, should have the opportunity for a free, secular and universal education in well-funded schools open to all children. Only public schools can fulfil this objective. Private religious schools never have, never can and never will do so. On a practical level, if charging fees was made illegal, As in Finland, Mr Birmingham's problems with the Catholic bishops and Stephen Elder would be solved overnight. So that is our press release and it will go up. I'm sorry that we had a bit of trouble with our our website in the last week or so, but um, things are getting a bit back to normal on that. I'm not the most wonderful... Well, I'm not like Alan Heath. I don't have a brilliant mind for uh, things like clocks and websites. But um, we do our best. But that's enough of me for now. Let's have a bit of music and then Robert will take over.
1: Welcome back to the Dogs Program. That was a little bit of music from the Nutcracker. Yes, Jean and her press release. It's absolutely fascinating, isn't it? I mean, uh, to, to extend a metaphor, um, yeah, to extend a very tortured metaphor, um, I think the Australian government is sick and tired of paying protection money to the churches. Mm-hmm. There are certain sections... Um, of the Australian government at the moment that realise. Not that they're tired of paying protection money to the religious institutions and you know that's that's why the bishops want to yeah and want to and succeed in getting a meeting with the Prime Minister of Australia, um, over church funding. Um, it's just the money's running out. Um, if you're running a business and you're paying protection money to a bunch of people that turn up once a week saying, Ah, oh, well you've got to give us some money, otherwise you know, we'll well, you know, you do want your votes, don't you, says the church to, to, to the Prime Minister. You do want your votes, don't you? You don't want us kicking up a stink and making a big noise about how unhappy we are with you. So you better give us all your billions of dollars. Um, the billions of dollars are running out, and I think Birmingham and Pine are actually on the money, in, in, in just in that sort of raw political instinct. Um, the power's no longer there. Um, the sort of, certainly the moral power of the church in Australian society has, has, been, has been tarnished, probably irreparably um, whether that's a good or a bad thing I don't know but it's certainly a fact that it has been due to the Royal Commission um, and the Australian government's kind of running out of money they can't just throw money at, at private school systems run by bishops of one denomination or another over and over again so it, it's a fascinating pushback Um, I think it's also evidenced by the fact that that you know when it comes to this payola, that we the taxpayers have to cough up. um, All the different denominations turn up one after the other. Um, You know, one denomination turns up, says, "Well, you better give us some money, or or, or we'll make it difficult for you at the ballot box." And the government says, "All right, there's your money." Then another denomination comes and says, "Well, you better give us some money too, otherwise we'll make it different. We'll make it difficult for you." So you've got the independent school organisations, which are broadly Christian but certainly very fundamentally religious in in the Australian context and then you've got the Catholic Education Office they're all turning up for their money and I think certain elements of the Federal Government are going "Oh, do we have to pay? Seriously? Do we have to pay? Um, The answer to that question I think is yes Um, yes, Birmingham does pay yes, Turnbull does pay but I think there is no, a point. We pay.
2: I'm sorry, we pay. <laughs> oh, oh,
1: they pay our money. Oh, 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 there's no question. Oh, I think it's absolutely fascinating that the independent school sector and the Catholic school sector are having this massive barney about who gets the money when the money they're talking about is my money. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're not talking about any other money apart from my money. They're talking about their money. They're, they're not talking about people putting money in place. They're talking about that money. They're not talking about the money they get from rents from the extraordinary property portfolios they're not talking about that money. They're just talking about my money and your money, Gene, and, and and our listeners' money if they pay tax. I just think it's absolutely fascinating. Um yeah, I mean I think the sort of the paola that that's that's going out of public treasuries into religious institutions. Um oh, it's still happening, but I think there's a few people sticking their hands out going, hang on, do we have to? Seriously? Do do these people really have this power at the ballot box that can kick us out of government or not? I think the answer to that question in Australia in 2018 is no. No, there are other factors that are more important and interesting to politicians than than what church someone goes to when it comes to the ballot box in Australia.
2: The privatisation of, of education goes along with the privatisation of the electricity grid. Uh, The privatisation of public transport, the privatisation of toll roads and uh, the government, well our money, is being used to subsidise all of these and uh, the whole privatisation exercise is coming unstuck.
1: Yes indeed. In fact there's been all these arguments just recently which I'll go through just after these messages, um, which I'll go through that relate to. The sort of division of, 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 of corruption. I mean, you know, where does this payola go? And it's absolutely fascinating where it actually goes and where people say it goes, but more on that after this.
3: 2018 marks 20 years since senior traditional owner, Yvonne Margarula, invited supporters to come to Mirar Country within Kakadu National Park to blockade the proposed Jabaluka uranium mine. Thousands answered the call. The mine was stopped. To commemorate this extraordinary anniversary, Me Aboriginal Corporation and the Australian Conservation Foundation have produced a gorgeous commemorative calendar. Standing Strong, Jabaluka 20 Years is a piece of history you don't want to miss. Order your copy today at MIRA.net. That's M I R A R R R.net. A 3CR supporter.
0: Call us on 9419 8377 or visit 3cr.org.au. 3CR, the voice of dissent.
1: Yes, so talking about money. Well, there's a fight going on, as we've mentioned, and we have been mentioning for some time. There's a fight going on between the independent school sectors and the Catholic sectors. And if you have a fight, you've got to have weapons. And so there's a new weapon that's been invented, and the new weapon that's been invented is the ability for the government to go into an individual parent's tax return and work out how much tax they pay. Now, the idea of this weapon is, is this is a weapon that's going to be used by the Catholic bishops to fight the non-Catholic bishops and religious leaders. This, this, is, this is functionally the way it works in Australia. It's absolutely ridiculous. Your tax return is a weapon being used by a Catholic bishop to get money from the federal government. It's a fact, That's what's going to happen.
2: And next year, the Australian Tax Office is going to be looking at individuals more than companies and their thesis is that there is $8 billion to be collected from individuals uh, who are, they say, claiming deductions that they shouldn't be claiming for. So I'm not sure that I'd want to be a parent at a private school in these circumstances.
1: Yeah, I suppose that's, that's, that's um, one of the, one of the collateral damages of when you start inventing these, these weapons in education wars. The idea being, I mean, the, the, the fundamental principle behind this, it, I mean, it's really sort of complicatedly simple, is that at the moment, um, schools get funded upon, upon how wealthy a suburb is. And the idea is that a lot of independent schools are located in poorer suburbs, but the children that go to them come from wealthier families. And the Catholic schools tend to be located in wealthier suburbs, but it's the poorer children from those suburbs that go to it. So the, so the, the idea is if you drill down to the individual level, the bishops will be happier because they think that they will be getting poorer parents into their schools, which means, yes, they'll, they'll strive and struggle to come up with school fees for, for the private school, but That means that the government, on a needs basis, inverted commas, on a needs basis will be funding each of the children in the school at a higher level. And so there's this shift from the suburb's wealth to the individual's wealth. But I think the fascinating thing about this is that sometimes when you invent a new weapon, there are unintended consequences. And of course the unintended consequences of this is none of these two school sectors when they're fighting each other are talking about the state school sector. And so once this starts to extend out and you say, well, okay, if if we're going to find out about the tax returns about just private school parents, why don't we find out about, oh, look, all these state school parents have, have actually quite low. We'll have to give them even more money to the state schools. But no, no, that's not going to happen because that's not the point of the weapon. The point of the weapon is not fairness for the children of Australia. The point of the weapon is not to give more money to children in state schools. The point of the weapon is to give more money for the bishops in the fight against the horrible and wealthy independent school sector, which are taking money away from the poor Catholic schools. That's that's the way it's framed. It's absolutely what
2: poor Catholic schools? It's a long, long time since we have heard about the myth of the poor Catholic schools. A long time. I can't remember them talking about this myth since the 1970s, 80s.
1: Well, you see, it's often, it often comes up in debate about the Catholic schools having a poorer intake, but whether it is, in fact, the case um, has yet to be demonstrated in the current context. You're absolutely right, Jane. Um, so you have this rhetoric, you have this new weapon, this, this new weapon in the funding debate about drilling down into individuals' tax returns if they have the temerity to send their child to, to a private school. But then you remember oh, several months ago if you were listening to the program then or even if you were just around in Australia and you happened to notice that Simon Birmingham was talking tough. He had a hit list of 24 schools which he was going to take money away from because they were by definition and fundamentally and admittedly overfunded. Like, seriously, overfunded. The schools themselves admitted they were overfunded. The government admitted they were overfunded. The bishops admitted they were overfunded. Everyone knew they were overfunded. They were just overfunded. And Simon Birmingham said, well, I'm going to stop overfunding you. That's it. Good. So that would have been the end of the story, except the months have gone. And an interesting article in The Guardian, actually, on Friday the 6th by Michael McGowan. i just like to read from it because you thought that was the end of the story, but it's not. Each of the individual 24 rich private schools earmarked for cuts through the Gonski 2.0 funding deal have instead seen their proportion of taxpayer money increased this year. Not decreased, increased. And this is down to millions of dollars being pumped into these schools in addition to what they were funded as a bonus, and get this, transitional funding set up by the federal government. Last year, as the Turnbull government fought to pass the Gonski 2.0 funding deal through the Senate, it announced 20, 24 independent and Catholic schools would lose funding under the new agreement because they were receiving more than their fair share of taxpayers' money. The list included such places as Loretto Kilbirnie in, in Sydney, a Catholic girls' school that charges more than $20,000 a fee to their parents, let alone the money they get from the government. Now, Loretto Curability receives 191.9% of its school resource standard. So it's overfunded by over 100%. It gets almost 200% of its allocation. The SRS of the Gonski Review needs based, needs based formula for measuring how much government funding goes and how much it's actually entitled to. Now, for this school, <laughs> I think it's absolutely fascinating. But the Guardian can reveal that this school, amongst the 23 others who were supposed to lose money, received a funding increase in 2018 because of bonus funding set up to help poor help these private schools cope cope with the transition to the new Gonski 2.0 funding model. Among the bonus funding was $7.1 million in a transitional fund set up by the federal education minister Simon Birmingham to help secure passage of the education reforms. So that was the payola. That was the payola to get it through the Senate.
2: It's always been a feeling of mine that wealthy people are wealthy because they know how to, pay, how to cry poor efficiently and effectively. Have you noticed?
1: It's true. Oh, I can tell you, as, 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 as a busker of many years, um, no, seriously, you do not bother um, putting in the extra effort when obviously wealthy people walk past because they aren't going to give you any money. There's a reason they got it. The reason the wealthy it's people got money is, is... No, 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 because the reason they're wealthy is they got money and they keep it. They don't give it away. Um, if you're busking, it's, it's not the wealthy people you get the money from. It's terrorists, actually, and it's actually the poorer people. That's, that's just the fact of life. That's just the way it is. So, sure yeah, you're right, Jane. Look, I could go on more about this, but we actually only have an hour here on the Docs program, so um, I do want to tell you what's going on in the United States, and of course we have to get to our great state school after this break. Mm-hmm.
3: Fight for your mic. Support 3CR's 2018 Radiothon with Greek Resistance Bulletin and Open Studio, 204 High Street, Northgate, on Thursday, the 12th of July from 8 o'clock. Come and dance the night away at this 3CR radio fundraiser with performers from Open Jam Café Nio. Playing on the night will be Cats in the Canary, Pascalia Latra, Yorgos Sklavos, Kaliopi Stavropoulos, and special guests. Supporting 3CR and the Greek Resistance Bulletin means supporting independent and radical news and voices. Open Studio 204 High Street, Northcote, on Thursday the 12th of July at 8pm. Admission. $10 waged, $8 unwaged. Fight for your mind
1: I'd like to continue on with what we've been speaking about over the last couple of weeks about what's going on in the United States under Trump and Betsy DeVos when it comes to education funding. I think it's important to examine the United States and the United Kingdom too, um, because what happens there tends to happen in Australia a few years later. We are an English-speaking country. We're not just English-speaking, but we are an English-speaking country, and we follow English-speaking countries. Many and many a time I've heard the Prime, uh, and the Prime Minister of Australia get up and say, oh, no, we can't do that until everyone else does. Can't do global warming until everyone else does. We're not leaders in the world, we're followers, not just in all sorts of politics, but also in education. And for that reason, I'd like to talk about charter schools in the US once more. Now, we've been investigating the charter school system and the endemic corruption involved with the charter school system in the US and the growing segregation, racial segregation that comes with charter schools. And indeed, in the United States... Um, why does anyone really still, if, 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 they, if you consider these to be bad things, why do you support voucher systems and charter schools at all? I think the answer is that um, corruption always benefits someone. and If it benefits a significant proportion of the population, it will remain. That's, that's actually a function of what happens in the um, education system in Australia. About 30% of the population in Australia send their children to private schools. Um, the corruption that, involves, that is involved in funding those schools benefits those people and so therefore they support it. When it comes to things like segregation, in Australia we have economic segregation. Um, in the United States they not just ha- don't just have that but they also have racial segregation. This is seen to be a good thing by a proportion of the population in, 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 in the Australian country. Um, in terms of economic segregation. In the United States, racial segregation is seen to be a good thing by a proportion of the population over there. These things exist for a reason. But another reason, of course, is money. In the the United States, entrepreneurs recognised early on that market-based education reforms could be a source of substantial profits. Private operators quickly found a way to tap into the vast public taxpayer money resource. Now in the United States, more than $600 billion each year. Equally important, ideology. Trump's evidence for free market boosters. And education reformers have developed a culture of what they called the true believers. In January 2018, a government solicited audit revealed that school officials in Washington, D.C. had knowingly allowed 34% of high school seniors to graduate in 2017 without fulfilling all their requirements. The news triggered an uproar because reformers, public or private funders and the media had been touting Washington and its voucher education program and high penetration rate of charter schools within the education system as a great success story. Yeah. Now reflecting on the gulf between triumphalists and facts, Frederick Hess, Director of Education Policy Studies at the Conservative American Enterprise Institute wrote one of the few, and one of the few reformers who confront this problem publicly and he wrote, he said, so many of the world's school reforms tend to clamber aboard the bandwagon of the movement while parking their scepticism. Reformers have tended to circle their wagons, feeling with-us-or-against-us dynamic. This actually leaves little ground for friends to offer tough-minded public appraisal without being labelled an enemy of the movement. It's time for the reformers, the funders, the pundits of charter schools to ask ourselves how we've contributed to a culture that's heavy on cheerleading and light on scepticism and how to find a better balance going forward. Now that's a fascinatingly honest appraisal and I think it applies well outside um, just the education debate. In fact, it's something that I've observed in America in politics for some time. In another case of ideology... Pro-reform members of the Congress went so far as to ban rigorous evaluation of the voucher program at all. They banned people looking at it. In spring spring 2017, the Institute of Education Sciences, which is the independent research arm of the U.S. Education Department, released a study showing that on math-standardized tests, Washington students who used vouchers to attend private schools fell behind their peers who remained in public schools. The research was randomised. It was controlled, it was a trial, and considered a gold standard in experimental design. I mean, I've used it myself when I'm at the university. Randomised controlled trial is the best thing you can do to get to the heart of the matter. A week later, a Republican-led Congress approved a budget that included a prohibition on the use of experimental design evaluation methods in any future federally funded studies of the Washington, D.C. program. Straight up. Given the overall record of charter schools yes, Jenny, you're gonna say? It?
2: <laughs> oh, that sounds, that's outrageous. Yeah. Just outrageous.
1: Given the overall record of charter schools, support in the general public and among minorities has actually been slipping. According to the most recent survey conducted by pro reform journal, Education Next, support among all respondents dropped from fifty one percent, just over half, to thirty nine percent from twenty sixteen to twenty seventeen. Among African Americans, supported charter schools dropped from 46 to 37, amongst Hispanics from 44 to 39. Education reformers also suffered a major defeat when they tried to increase the number of charter schools in Massachusetts using a ballot initiative. The state had the strongest oversight system in the country and a relatively small number of charter schools. The ballot initiative drew national attention because of the outsized campaign spending on this ballot. $25 $25 million on the yes side and $17 million on the no side. In November 19, voters rejected the charter increase by an overwhelming margin, 62 to 38. Many African-American advocacy organisations have taken a stand against market-based reforms. In the 2014 resolution, the National Association of Advancement of Coloured People, a very big organisation in the United States, Pledge to continue to advocate against any state or federal legislation which commits or diverts public funding, allows tax breaks for, or establishes preferential advantages to for-profit, private or charter schools. Unfortunately, not all Americans know enough about market-based education reforms to evaluate it. Despite two decades of heated public debate, many do not understand how charter schools and vouchers are funded. According to a 2017 poll by the Independent Research Company, A little more than half of Americans supported charter schools until they learned that the funding was taken from public schools. Now, I can say more about this, but time is running very short, but I'd like to say that every time you hear a debate in Australia about a fight between independent and a Catholic school sector, what you have to realise, the money they're talking about is being taken from a state school system. This is not sector-blind When these two tribes go to war, when the Catholic education system and the independent school, when they go to war, they're not talking about stuff that's over there in the corner. They are talking about money that is taken away from the state school students in this country. And every time you... I mean, even back to Gillard, when you talk about sector blind, this is the big lie. This is the big lie. Every dollar that's given to a private school is taken away from a state school.
2: And public... It's not private, but private wants public. And the distinction between those two words is becoming more and more blurred.
1: Indeed. But anyway, we've come to that wonderful time always at the end of our program where we're going to talk about our great state school. Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school.
0: State schools are great. Schools. School of the week. State school. School are
1: great of the school. week. Great state schools. State, state schools, schools School state of great the week. Schools. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Oh, wonderful news today because they're doing amazing things out at Glen Waverley Secondary College. Now, normally I don't go on about these sorts of schools. What do I, what am I, what do I mean by these sorts of schools? Glen Waverley Secondary College is an amazing school because it's an amazing area, well supported by amazing parents, and a lot of the kids that go to Glen Waverley Secondary School, a lot of those kids, um, they're not poor kids uh, because Glen Waverley is a reasonably wealthy area. They're local kids, and that's fascinating. It's a really it's, Look, it's, it, it's an amazing school. Firstly, there's 2,000 kids go there. Okay, so it's big, big. It's got over 160 teaching staff, okay, and it's got over 40 non-teaching staff. This is a big school. 87% of the kids that go to this school come from a language background other than English. 87% come from a language background other than English, and many of those Languages that are spoken come from Southeast Asia and indeed North Asia as well because that's just what goes on out at Glen Waverley. It's an amazing school with amazing kids. 47% of the kids in this school come from the top quartile. About half the kids are from from the richest families in Australia. About 29% come from the upper middle quartile. About 9% come from the poorest quartile as well. Yep, there's a lot of kids up there. That come from rich backgrounds But there's some kids that come from poor grounds. But you know what, if you turn up at the door It's free, it's secular And it's a compulsory education system That is sorting things out For those kids out there How much money is being coughed up Okay, 2,000 kids That's a lot of kids, that's a lot of teachers That's a lot of resources Per child, $12,000 yeah, yeah, much less Because it's one of those things, if you've got a whole bunch of rich kids and you put them all together in the Australian context and and those kids are happy together, you don't need to spend much money to get them a gold standard education. And when I say gold standard education, Glen Waverley Secondary College is one of the top ten secondary colleges in Victoria when it comes to results and other things which are useful to talk about. Now, we can talk about NAPLAN results um, in terms of compared to... Similar schools, and when you're talking about similar schools, but comparing them to schools with a similar number of very wealthy kids. The kids in this school absolutely cane it. They are above or even well above average against similar schools. Compared to all Australian schools, they're well above the average on everything. But compared to... I don't know. Compared to the MLCs of the world, compared to the snotty, super selective, you can only get there if you've either got a lot of money or you, or you're on a scholarship schools, compared to the private schools, they are just claiming it. And what I should actually be saying is, private schools compared to Glen Waverley are trying to catch up because Glen Waverley, a state school out there in the east of Melbourne, is in fact, as far as I'm concerned, the gold standard. Now, I say, I don't often talk about this school because there is, Oh, I don't know. You talk about the moral, the moral dilemmas and moral questions about, you know, about the needs of a school. Um, Glen Waverley is what happens when you support a state school system in an area of in an area of, of relative wealth,
2: and it costs the taxpayer. Uh, Well, it costs one-third to educate a child there than it would, say, at MLC or one of those places.
1: Because there's no tax breaks involved. Um, This school plays their rates as opposed to the private school down the road. Um, They are fair. They are open. If you turn up on their doorstep and you're in their catchment, you're through the door. There's no question. There's no, how much money do you earn? (laughs) There's, oh, no, we can't have you because you're a behavioural problem because that's what a place like Glen Waverley Secondary College is all about. Their attendance figures are amazing, actually. The kids turn up to school. The school itself, I think, is... Well, there's more boys than girls, which I think is fascinating, and there are absolutely no Indigenous students in this school, so whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think it's a, I think it's a sad and a bad thing that the kids at Glen Waverley don't get the opportunity to interact with the First Peoples of this country and understand about Glen Waverley in terms of its geography and the location and how it relates to the land. But, you know what, there are so many benefits to a place like Glen Waverley that I think I'll oh, forgive them for not having any Indigenous kids because, as a state school, they enroll who turns up at the door. Um, at all sorts of other levels, I've been out there myself, actually, and spoken to the kids and been with them from, for, for a day. They're spot on. So I haven't got much to say about something because it's all good, <laughs> but Glen Waverley Secondary College, and as I say, is one of those really good state schools. Well, Glen Waverley Secondary College is a great state. School. Want to defend government schools? We are the DOGS, D O G S, defenders of government schools. Every week on the DOGS program, we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. If you're a parent, or if you're a kid, or if you're involved in the school in any way whatsoever and you love your state school, give 3CR a call. We want to hear about these schools that we're defending. Brunswick Secondary
0: School, State College. schools are great. Harkaway Primary School. 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 Sunshine school.
1: North Primary They're School. They're really
3: concerned about the welfare of the kids and their growth as people as well as learning.
1: Got, like You put on plays, you got enrichment, you've got physical education, visual arts, languages, all that. In fact, is there a cooking...
3: Actually, an embracing of kids from disadvantaged backgrounds and with additional needs.
1: More than half of your kids are from some of the poorest families in Australia.
3: Yeah, definitely. That's the community and that's who we're servicing and that's who, that's who we welcome into the school.
0: Outdoor play is linked to healthier and happier children. This, in turn, leads to better grades. In the when weekly like
3: assemblies to... and stuff, they have a little thing, uh, you've been caught being good, and they have a, a value of the week each week, and so it's not just words, that is actually...
1: So, so what do the teachers do when it's a building site? Yeah, they kick themselves out of their own staff room and turn into a classroom.
3: Just a really nice culture and an emphasis on social skill building as well as learning.
1: State schools are great schools.
0: Great state schools.
1: Thank you so much for listening to the Dogs Program. If you're interested in what we've been talking about, please check us out at our website at www.adogs.info. And if indeed you do have any suggestions for a great state school, please call up 3CR or, or drop us a line or just even call up the station on nine four one nine eight three double seven, or contact us at 3CR on the website at 3cr.org.au. But until next week when we'll be back, it's bye for now.
4: Joe says, I am standing by my bed. They framed you on a murder charge, says Joe, but I ain't dead. Says Joe, but I ain't dead. The copper bosses killed you, Joe. They shot you, Joe, says I on to organize, from San Diego up to Maine, in every mine and mill, where workers strike and organize, it's the